back on the yes on the dirty ugly wrestling podcast my name is dirty mike and i am the big ugly you sure are you are fit ugly i'm sure still at this point i am i am flexing as you speak (laughs) (laughs) well you know show it off that's what they say you got two tickets to the gun show not not the uh not the tag team not billy guns kids but the gun show you know um that's good i aspire to be like you when i grow up um hey man (laughs) yeah yeah episode 120 we have hit another even number milestone 120 um so we are on our way to 200 and next we'll be on our way to 121 and uh this is a good one this is towards the end of the summer of august 2023 it's been an interesting year how how have you been doing uh this summer fit ugly i know we did the baseball thing it was great the oriole park they're still in first place uh how you been doing this summer yeah no this summer this summer has been good i've been i feel like i've gotten out a lot this summer um you know hung out we did the orioles thing which was amazing uh, so yeah, it's been a good summer. I, I feel like because I've been doing so much that it's gone by fast. Like the fact that it's about to be September tomorrow is like crazy. Oh, you just said it. September is tomorrow. My goodness. Yeah. I mean, kids are back in school. Kids are back. Uh, right. Exactly. Weather's cool. The weather's already cooling down. Like it's, <laughs> you know, it's like, I feel like it was just June. Like I don't know. It's amazing. And, uh, you know, we, we've, uh, we've had a lot of fun over the summer with the dirty, ugly wrestling podcast. We're going to have some more, uh, you know, good conversations today. We got the whole year, rest of the year. And we also have, uh, several special guests, you know, joining us at different times today. First of all, you know, we've got to introduce, uh, a long time, uh, listener and provider uh, of the dirty, ugly wrestling podcast. He's an Orioles fan for sure. He's a Ravens fan for sure. He's a wrestling fan for sure, because that's why we call him JT Wrestling. Welcome back, JT. How are you? Good to be back. I'm doing good. Good, man. Your summer been good? It's been a good summer, and I agree with um, Fit Ugly. It's it's just going by so fast, I, I didn't even realize it was summer, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it is, man? You know what it is. It's like the more you get older, the, the more you realize how much your parents were right. And it's like you used to hear your parents talk about oh, like time go by fast or like, oh, this summer went by fast. And it's like, when you're young, everything just feels like it's forever. You know what I'm saying? It's like, when you get into that grind of that nine to five and just living that adult life, it's like, yo, it's it's nonstop. Like, I know, right? You got to pay those gimmicks that they call bills. You know, I lost <laughs> yeah. Cold Steve Austin and they never stop coming. <laughs> they never stop sending them in the mail. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't even know if they do mail anymore. They do it all online, but they never stop coming. They never stop happening. They never but, stop finding a way to contact you. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's right. But that, you know, that's what happens. Life happens. And, you know, before you know it, you, you're you seven and a half years into a podcast. Um, <laughs> and even that's crazy. <laughs> oh my goodness we started this it's funny right so let me let me go on a quick tangent right I know go for it talk about that's fine sorry i'm just i'm just reminiscing since we're at the end of the summer and then we're about that's to what play. we do like, man I, I went back and was watching like some of the wrestlemania just kind of letting them like play through and i'm sure. like you know I, i'm watching the 2016 uh wrestlemania the first one in dallas mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm looking at the roster and i'm just like yo this roster does not look the same like in seven years it's like I you would have thought that it was like 15 years ago. You know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> wow. like 
how much this has changed. And so it's just funny, the fact that this has been, yeah, seven years starting from 2016, WrestleMania in, was it 2016 or 17? The one that was in... Uh, 16. 16, right. Yeah. Yeah. That was no, my you're right. Tangent. No, you got... That's a right... That's a, that's a right tangent, though. I mean, you're right. Uh, that show was definitely uh, a lot different than uh, what we're seeing today and uh, the legends are different you know the the, the spots are di- that's the first night that the women's championship came out of what used to be the divas title what? i mean and that's been going on now there's been several different women's championships on several different brands raw smackdown now there's two separate women's championships and a world championship it's crazy yeah uh it and is crazy the crazy thing is i think at that time if i'm not mistaken i don't even think because wasn't that the one where Triple H enters in with the uh, with the throne against Daniel Bryan? And like, I don't even think Charlotte was on the main roster like Charlotte, Sasha Banks. None of them were on the main roster. You're, you're close. That was 30 in New Orleans. That was New Orleans. OK. All right. Yeah. Never mind. OK. No, right. you're fine. No, so 32 was Charlotte and Becky and uh, Sasha in the gotcha. triple threat women's featured match. Not main event, but it was a feature. Gotcha. Gotcha. And Triple H faced um, Roman Reigns for one of the, you know, 300 times that we saw it. Yeah. Uh, in the main event, actually. Um, That's right. But no, it, it's been crazy. You you remember uh, way back when uh, JT Wrestling? I don't know how far you back you listened to the archives, but you remember way back when in the world of wrestling? Um, not really. I, I can't <laughs> remember um, when I started listening. Uh, well, that's okay. I think, after, you... I, think, I think after the first one I do with you guys, I started listening. Okay. Hey, you know, and that, that goes for anybody. You can start listening to the podcast anytime. Uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and search us all over the internet. We appreciate everybody who at any time has checked out the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. But, um, hey, let's talk about episode 120 just a little bit. Um, so... We've got uh, our first two segments, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be us and uh, a couple of special guests and we're going to be doing some talking. Um, And our third segment is going to be an interview with uh, one of uh, the people that I got the opportunity to work with in the pro wrestling business. And I still may, because this guy does not stop. Um, He's been a part of at least 30 independent uh, professional wrestling organizations, traveled all over the country, traveled all over the world, um, runs his own wrestling school. Uh, I know him as Nick, but uh, most uh, most would know him as Sickened, S-I-C-E-N-D. Uh, you know, a couple of people talking about him on a couple of our most recent interviews. Um, he's also been known as Skull. Uh, he's just uh, seems to be indestructible. This guy, he's got the mind for it. He's got the passion for it, and he knows what he's doing. So we're going to talk to him in a third segment of today's show, episode 120. But episode one, we're going to... We're not going to start off hot here. We're we're gonna we're gonna start off on a little bit of a I don't want to say a down note. It's not because we're there's been a lot of over the past week or so before this podcast. There's been a, a lot of unfortunateness in uh, the world and the world of pro wrestling. So what I'd like to do is actually celebrate the life, celebrate good memories, and and celebrate you know life instead of just recognize that you know a couple of these people have passed on and specifically um we're going to be talking about uh Wyndham Rotunda also known as Bray Wyatt that that's just that's that still hasn't hit me uh and we're also going to be talking about Terry Funk 
who lived uh, all of his hardcore life, <laughs> you know, probably wrestling all the way up until the day he passed. I'm surprised that, uh, you know, he didn't yeah, actually pass away in the ring just because he would wrestle anytime, any, you know, he, he would do it. Um, and then, of course, the man who almost made it to 100. Uh, and, and the fact that this man, you know, almost made it to 100 without going over, that's a Price is Right staple right there. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And that was Bob Barker. Um, so what I'd like to do, gentlemen, uh, you know, and, and if CM Funk joins us or Jamin Jason or anybody like that, they can jump right in. But to begin with, I would like to celebrate the life. Let's just start, um, you know, with Bray Wyatt, because that this I mean, we've, we've talked about it over text messages. We talked about it in person. We've seen it on television. Uh, they've done the tributes on every single show, which has been, you know, every show along every single professional wrestling company has done um, some sort of tribute, which is uh, which is amazing to see. Um, you know, he had, he had been engaged had kids, you know, it's just it sucks that he's gone. But it was great that he was here and did what he did with the time that he had. Uh, I will start with you, Fit Ugly. I mean, we, we even talked about it before we logged on here. This still has not hit home yet yeah it still is not sunk in uh not saying Bray Wyatt and you know I think a crazy part is is I, I think one of the last podcasts we were literally just talking about what we thought might happen when Bray Wyatt comes back you know does he come back with the Uncle Howdy you know does he bring back a whole new gimmick fiend you know whatever um so to know that like we won't get that opportunity it, it just sucks you know what I'm saying obviously it sucks from his family standpoint, I'm not even going to imagine what they're going through, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I know it's got to be rough. Um, but I would say, like, you know, you guys know, and I've said it many times before, I was super wrestling fan when I was young. I kind of fell out of it in my later years of high school. And then when uh, around, like, 2012, I started getting back into it. And I feel like, you know, the Wyatt family really started picking up, I thinking about, like, 13 or 14. But I remember them being one of the – groups that kind of like really kept me engaged you know um they, it was new it was fresh um and and, they, and Bray was just he was just killing it you know at that time um mm. so you know I it, it just sucks you know I, I definitely feel like there's been a lot of wrestlers that have passed over the years you know and I don't I just mean over the years in general but I feel like this ranks up there not to say anybody is less than but as far as shock shocking Passings, you know, this is like the Owen Hart, Eddie Guerrero, you know, in that kind of like, you know, active wrestler, young that you just would not expect. And it just it just hits you hard. Yeah, uh, that that's it is like that. I mean, it kind of out of nowhere. I mean, it, and it's not, you know, even Eddie Guerrero was having his problems with demons and Chris Benoit was having his problems, you know, with, you know, different things. And but some of these just such a young name and to and to learn later on that uh it had to do you know with a heart condition that stemmed from uh, covid i mean come on now i mean we we started talking about this back in 2020 when this happened and started using zoom and uh other you know you know not having a live podcast for a while and we just never you just never know i mean it's just and if it, if there was anything stemming from COVID or anything heart related, I mean, literally, like you just said, well, I mean, they were it was all over the rumor mill. Like, when's he going to come back? What's he going to do? Is it going to be Uncle Howdy? Is it going to be Bray Wyatt? Is it going to be the Wyatt family? You know, you, you, we just didn't know. Yeah. Um, and now you know that came out as like 
Bray Wyatt? Like, what? Are, are you, you kidding me? Like, there's a rib. Like, I don't know. This is part of a gimmick or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Owen Hart. You know, it, it, you, we don't know. And I was like, my God. But JT Wrestling, you, uh, I know you enjoyed the Bray Wyatt character. What do you have a favorite moment that you remember of anything Bray Wyatt did? Any favorite moment? I mean, that's a hard one to choose. Um, yeah. Because uh, he played the character well. Um, I, I guess my most memorable moment would be just getting to um, enjoy the, um, the Funhouse character. Because at first I was like, what is this mess? Because it was yeah. just kind of weird. I mean, he's weird, but you know, it was extra weird. He was trying to be a Mister Rogers, whatever copy, in his own way. But I got used to it, and I and I got into it. So the Firefly Funhouse, kind of the yeah. the go- the goofy side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, and and that that was beautiful. I mean. I I don't remember seeing anything even coming close to that, like when that showed up. And I wasn't sure what to think of it either. I think a lot of us were not sure what to think of that when it first started happening. But as it started going, it, it became like one of the most cool things to wait for and watch on television. Like you wanted that to happen. Um, didn't matter if he wrestled or worked in the ring, won, lost. Didn't matter. You just wanted a Firefly Funhouse. And that's something especially the WWE likes to do when they produce that kind of content. Um, and amazingly enough, that culminated um, in a match at WrestleMania 36, which was during the 2020, the COVID mania in the performance center with nobody. And matter of fact, I don't even think it, you know, I, it was the Firefly Funhouse match and it was all done, you know, pre-tape uh, storyline cinematic kind of thing and that was that part of that wrestlemania that was the coolest thing that we saw um it was so fun so entertaining and so much came out of the mind of uh you know bray wyatt when the rotunda to put that together so i agree with you that was that was hilarious um fit ugly do you have a uh a favorite character or story or or uh anything of bray yeah, so I will say I'm gonna say two things. Number one, my favorite, I think, iteration of Bray had to be the Fiend. I think the Fiend run was great, um, especially leading up to like that John Cena stuff, the stuff during like the uh, like kind of like getting out of the COVID era. You know, uh, all of that was good. Some of the matches, you know, kind of was like ah, you know, the uh, the decision making, like having I think the Fiend, having him lose to Goldberg in Saudi Arabia and you know, the Rollins cage match and stuff was like whatever, but the Fiend as a character, I truly yeah. enjoyed in a fun house. The, yeah. uh, the second thing I would say, uh, would be, uh, the, the Wyatt family versus the shield. Mm. I mean, epic three on threes, epic. Those, Absolutely. two, those two stables crazy. And, you know, and, and, and that's another thing that we don't get to see again. Right. Because I mean, you you got Bray, it's unfortunately passed. Brody is gone. Uh, you know, so it, so it sucks. But, you know, th- those two, I would say. Yeah, that's another one that snuck up on us, Brody Lee. I mean, that, uh, again, very young. Um, 
at various times. But yeah, I, I agree with you. The fiend, uh, just the ability to take the amount of time that he had um, with the WWE coming up from developmental and coming up to the main roster, taking what he had with the amount of time he had to do it and taking it so many different directions. The fiend was very intriguing to watch on a different level. Um, you just never knew uh, what was going to happen with that, whether it be uh, pyrotechnics in the arena, lighting in the arena, uh, anything on the video screen or him himself uh, in that ridiculously evil fiend gimmick. Um, but yeah, wow. Those, those, those three on threes put almost put every single person in that match on the map and sent them all to, to the moon uh, in different directions, obviously, but you know, I, yeah, that, that, those were amazing. And myself, I enjoyed when they started to, do the Wyatt family character and started to give that some legs in NXT uh, for what it used to be. And then they brought it up to the main roster and they didn't change it. They just amplified it, which has been a conversation of ours on the podcast for so long. They go to NXT, they get established and then they come up to the main roster and nine, nine times out of 10, they change it. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing how they just amplified it on a grander scale. And pretty soon you know, you know, they had the video excerpts, um, the creepy, uh, you know, shed, rocking chair, lantern, all that. And then brought Bray and the whole Wyatt family up. And, and the iteration with Daniel Bryan at that one point in time when he was going to be a part of the Wyatt family, I thought that was brilliant. Yes. Um, on both on both sides, Daniel and with Bray and the, and the, and the but that was brilliant. That lasted a good long time. And they could have done that with anybody but you got to be talented on the other end to take that it's brilliant it's the same thing with Sami Zayn getting incorporated into the bloodline it, it seems like it's so out of sorts but it, it makes perfect sense if you do it right um so i loved the 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 original bray wyatt character um and the song uh as well catching flies i mean they, and they were playing that all through the tributes and everything like that. And the fireflies turning all the lights off and everybody putting their lights up on their phone. It's yeah. just a beautiful thing to see. And they, not only was WWE, they were doing that in, they did, you know, AEW all in from Wembley stadium, you know, the, the house of black, Alistair black, they did a whole Bray Wyatt tribute with the lantern and turned the lights off had the fireflies. And they even talked about it. Um, so it was, it was great. People have been wearing armbands. People have been, uh, dedicating matches all the way through television and li and also live events that aren't televised. So he made an impact, like a big, big impact. Um, and it just, it really, he could have been one of those guys that took us into the next version of whatever the WWE was going to be. If he, you know, obviously stayed healthy and stayed relevant and current and all that, which, you know, he could have. Um this last run that he had with the Uncle Howdy thing, I don't know if it came off exactly like it needed to, but it was still intriguing putting the QR codes on every single week and having them hidden throughout the show and then having all of these things that you actually got to go on the internet, you got to click and you got to find, like there were more, there's more engagement on that than anything mm -hmm. uh, WWE wise. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, he wasn't even back yet. I mean, but I, I mean, I did, I did enjoy some of that Uncle Howdy stuff, and I, you just, um, 
here's here's something and, and kind of a tangent inside of a tangent but the fiend his first character match as the fiend that he actually had yeah was against la knight believe that and the last televised match that we saw that Bray Wyatt had was against LA Knight. Wait, you're saying you're saying the, the first match as the fiend was against LA Knight? Well, was that down at NXT? That was on the main roster. That was when LA Knight came up uh for a short time. And he wasn't, you know, obviously being pushed or anything like that on the main roster yet. Yeah. But he did he did come up and the fiend did face him and squashed him. On t- on television, that was the Fiend's first uh, actual bell to bell match gotcha. as that okay. character. You you did not that? even remember that? Yeah, that's yeah. Crazy. I didn't either until I found it later on because um, L.A. Knight actually had a fantastic half shoot uh, promo in the main event of SmackDown, um, honoring Bray and. The it, it, I, I was looking at it after that, like man, L.A. Knight got this put on his back, and now you know, even though that match, that Mountain Dew, whatever that was, blackout match was kind of weird. It was great publicity, and it was a great spot for L.A. Knight to get put in, and the fact that he was getting put in there against a, you know, a a legitimate superstar, uh, you know, former WWE champion, all that stuff in that spot was mm-hmm. amazing. Yes. Man, okay. Yeah. Believe that. Um so and you know, not not to stay on Bray for the the entire first segment, but you know, obviously they could have done tributes for 2 hours, you know, straight. Uh that we we could talk about Bray Bray Wyatt all day. We could go into deep discussions. You go back and listen to our archives and that's not a plug. It it's legit. You'll hear us talking about Bray Wyatt and the Fiend and the Wyatt family because that's kind of when all of this started back you know almost seven and a half years ago roughly I mean Bray Wyatt was kind of doing his thing in between WrestleMania 29 and 30 but it started catching fire uh shortly after that um just crazy man um but yeah I, I I pulled it up on my uh on my Wikipedia page, and there's so much to, to talk about. But what's great about it, I haven't heard any negative publicity. Like, nobody is saying, oh, well, you know, he did this while he was alive, and he did this, and he stole money, and he was cheating on something. You know, there's none of that mm-hmm. that, that kind of crap going on. And it's no, all no, talking no about – backstage politics, it's all positive. Right. It's all about how much of a good person he was and how, how funny he was and how helpful he was and how much he you know loved his family and loved his kids and loved her kids and loved his kids from his previous marriage, you know, four in total altogether, I think, two from the yeah. previous and two with Jojo. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just as, as a salt of the earth kind of and, and considering the characters he played were so far out there. You would think you'd have to have something wrong with you to be that demented on screen. At, at some, and I, I mean that as, as a courtesy because the best bad guy characters are always the nicest people. So, um, it's, uh, it, it was crazy, but, you know, JT Wrestling, Fit Ugly, you know, we, we, will, we will always remember uh, Wyndham Rotundo, Bray Wyatt, for everything he did. I'm sure that's not the last time uh, he will come up 
in so our podcast. Let me ask you this. Go I for said it. this when uh I said this when he first passed. <clears throat> Should Bray Wyatt be in the Hall of Fame? Did he have a Hall of Fame career? JT Wrestling, we'll start with you on that one. What do you think? Um maybe in the next two years, just to let more people see his matches, I would say. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. I think and I I do see the countdown clock there, but that's okay. We're we're gonna we'll be all right to get into the next segment. Um I think as far as posthumously entering him into the Hall of Fame, it could happen at WrestleMania 40. Um, now, I don't know if they'll do another WrestleMania in Florida in the next couple of years, but that's where he was born. That's where he passed away. That's where he lived. Uh, if they do a, a WrestleMania in Florida in the next five years, maybe that's where they should do it. Um, yeah. So let me ask you this, Dirty Mike. So not – let's – not with – we're removing the emotion of how we feel with Bray's passing. Obviously, we can't escape it. He's passed. Has his career actually, is it Hall of Fame worthy? And this is no disrespect to him, whether you say yay or nay. Do you feel like he actually had a Hall of Fame career? I think with the amount of time that he was able to share his talents with us from NXT up until earlier this year, I'd say that's a good 10 years. Yes. I'm going to say yes. Okay. I yeah. think that the imprint that he left on right. the company. Right. Right. And the legacy of just the impact that he has made. Yeah. I, I think he does. I, I really do. What yeah. do you think? I, I think the same. I think we're aligned on that. I think, I do think, you know, it's like there there are a lot of people that have come along with gimmicks. You know, I, I think about people like the Boogeyman and stuff like that have kind of come along with, you know, dark style gimmicks. But I'm like, Bray had a gimmick that I think he, if he had not passed when he came back, whether it's with The Fiend or something, people were going to be watching and paying attention. You know, he was a he was a person that when he popped up, you were interested Maybe not every part of his run was at the top of the card. Maybe some of the storylines weren't that great, but you were you understood that Bray Wyatt was a star, you know. And I I do think that the imprint he's left on the company over the past ten years is is a Hall of Fame worthy career. Agreed. I think we're all on the same page about that. Yeah. It's just a matter of timing um, to see when or yeah, if. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and my thing is, I, I I don't even feel like it. I don't even think it's like, oh, he has to go in next year or right. You know, it could be some years down the line. Yeah, you know, uh, there's been a lot of wrestlers. I mean, look, Boss Man just was entered as a Hall of Fame right you know, what, what, last couple of years. So, you know, um, uh, you know, it could be some years down the line. But I do think he he's definitely, I think, contributed enough to one day be in that that Hall of Fame. Absolutely, I agree, hundred percent. Um. We got about uh, a few minutes left on this uh, segment of the podcast. Let's let's uh, talk about Terry Funk a little bit. Now, I know um, I don't know when you all uh, started. You know, got I know when you kind of all got into wrestling, or you know what you what you guys watched. Uh, I first uh, Terry Funk uh, lived till um, seventy nine years old. This guy was a, a hardcore legend before hardcore was cool. Um, you know, as far as the barbed wire, 
and tables and thumbtacks and all this other stuff. And, you know, he was Mick Foley's mentor pretty much right? Um, to go into all that. Uh, Funk has been wrestling for good Lord. Uh, I want to say not at least 50 years. 50 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I think his debut was in 1965. Um, Wow. And he retired so many times and he had his last actual match theoretically in 2017, the last recorded match. Um, So 52 years. (laughs) That's pretty sick. Um, And he he lived it, you know. He he was a Texas born, Texas bred. Uh, this man w- lived his life uh, hardcore, you know, eating eating meat. You know, he was a cowboy, drinking beer, probably smoking, you know, cigarettes and stuff like that. Uh, this guy and some other things, yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm sure he dipped his toe into that. <laughs> but you know, when 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 I heard that he had passed, it did not hit. I mean, it hit, but. I was like, I understand that one. Like yeah. 79 years is a damn good long time to live the life that he lived. Absolutely. And yeah. And he was always very gracious yeah. to everybody around him. Absolutely. And I mean, we, I, I think and it, it, it's a, right. It's, it's the thing where it's like, it's not that his, his passing meant less. However, like you said, when you look at the life he's lived 79 years, yeah, the average person in America lives at like seventy four. I think you know what I'm saying. So yeah, you know it's like yes, he he's definitely lived a, a a good long life, and especially to have gone as hard as he has. Right. Yeah. Go go watch Beyond the Mat. Uh, as far as uh the movie from 1999 or whatever that was, you want to see story stories about Terry Funk. Um, that's that's pretty legit. Uh, you know, go check that out. Um, and, and he actually he was in a bunch of movies: Paradise Alley, Over the Top, Roadhouse. Uh, you know, lots of movies. So he he was a good actor, TV movie actor. Um, he also did a Dark Side of the Ring in the past year, so he was also contributing to that. So go check that out as well. Uh, JT Wrestling, what did what do you uh what do you remember about Terry Funk? I remember a few watching a few matches in ECW, uh. even WCW. Um. And then when he's, and then um, when he did a few matches just in WWE, just not really being on the main roster, just coming up to fight someone for whatever reason. Yeah, you're right. ECW. Uh, he helped get that company off the ground. He helped uh, the coordination between uh, WWE and ECW. He uh, WCW. He was a wrestler. He was a commentator. Um, when he was getting into his acting days, um, yeah, he was very unique. He was very unique. Listen to Mick Foley do a, an impersonation of Terry Funk. A lot of people, just like Dusty Rhodes says, a lot of people impersonating him. Terry Funk's got, probably got a lot of people to do. I am hardcore, damn it. You know, uh, you can go watch regular matches. You can watch death matches, uh, all kinds of stuff. But Terry Funk was a, a class act. Definitely, he's in the Hall of Fame already. He definitely des- deserves to be there. Um, and uh, he's going to be missed. And, you know, because we, we always look for Terry Funk making that next return. Uh, so, not this time. But, yeah. you know, I, I'm gonna go jump, ahead, man. I'm gonna ask a quick question to you guys before we run out of time here. This is, I'm sorry, I'm du- I know I'm doubling back to Bray Wyatt. I'm at the That's all right, bro. 
there was some chatter online where people were displeased that uh, I guess Roman Reigns didn't show up the SmackDown after mm-hmm. Bray's passing. What do you think about that? I mean, is that in bad taste for Roman? Do you feel like it's okay given his character? What's your thoughts? I think the the story that they've all developed over time, I think that Bray himself would not want to take a ding to the character of Roman Reigns because it would pull him completely out of the head of the table, the you know, uh, it, it, to have him come out and do what he would do. Correct. Uh, I think it was, it's a calculated move. I don't, th- I mean, I understand that people are going to be a little salty about it, but it's not that Roman doesn't care. Uh, he just can't care publicly. There you go. Yeah. I just, I think it's okay. I, I felt the same way. And I, you know, I just kind of was like, honestly, it probably wasn't a Roman call. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, Roman is the biggest character at this point that WWE's had in over a decade. And I'm pretty sure to your point, Dirty Mike, they they don't want to pull the rug from underneath this story um, for a quick, you know, two or three minute promo that he might cut. So, yeah. and I, so I, I agree with you. Uh, I know people are going to be salty, but I, I personally, as you said, I think Bray will want that move. I think it was an okay call. Yeah. Do you agree with that, JT Wrestling? I do agree with it. Yeah. yeah. Thought we'd all be on the same page. Well, check it out. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Bob Barker in our next segment, but uh, I tell you what, um, don't go anywhere. Grab a beverage, grab a uh, food, something, um, celebrating some lives here. Uh, and we're going to give you a quick mus- musical interlude like we always do. Uh, but definitely if you're feeling any kind of symptoms of anything, see a doctor, don't wait, do what they tell you to do. And if you're going to be hardcore, just drink Coors Light at the same time. Cause that kept Terry <laughs> Funk alive for 79 years. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we'll be right back with more of the dirty, ugly wrestling podcast right after this. And we're back yeah. with the dirty, ugly. Damn it. How do I not know that's coming after seven and a half years? The Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. Once again, my name is Dirty Mike. And I'm the big ugly. And you are fit still, but you're still big. Big but big but fit. Big and and we're fit. also joined Big and Fit. I like that. Sounds like a name for a tag team in the near future. Big and Fit. <laughs> Wait, that could be uh, Otis and Chad Gable. Big and Fit. Big that and could fit. be their yep. name. Perfect. And we are, <laughs> we are once again joined by the one and only JT Wrestling. Welcome back. Good to be back. All right. So, first segment, did a little uh, little heartstrings, you know, little tributes. And I'll throw one more name out there. Bob Barker, of course, uh, 99 years old. Talk about a guy living his fullest life, his best life. TV personality, movie personality, The Price is Right, so many years and so many other different things. Um and probably the best guest host of Monday Night Raw that there has ever been um, when they were doing that whole guest host spot uh, several years back. Actually, I think it was about, I think they said it was 2008 maybe that they were doing that. It's like 15 years ago, and that man was 84 years old when they did that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, good, good Lord. <laughs> but, yeah, Bob Barker, you know, it was a pleasure to you know be able to experience him. All the way. Happy Gilmore. Come on, man. The price and, uh, is wrong, bitch. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's great. I love that that whole thing with that movie. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, I just wanted to go through a list um, and then we'll, we'll jump into talking about all in. We'll talk about payback. And then uh, also we're going to go to uh, in our third segment. Don't forget, we've got uh, a wrestling superstar from uh, the East Coast and all over sickened my boy, Nick. He's going to be uh, joining us for a conversation on segment three. So do not go anywhere. Um, so. Pro wrestlers that are uh, somewhat well-known that have passed away this year. Uh, of course, we know Bray Wyatt, Terry Funk. Um, so we also want to talk about Jerry Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett's father, passed away, lived a good long time. Lanny Poffo, yep. uh, the genius, Randy Savage's father. Bushwhacker Butch. Um, Bushwhackers got involved into the Hall of Fame not too long ago. Uh, Hold on, you said Lanny Poffo... Macho Man, you talking about Macho Man's brother? Yes. I'm sorry, you said father. I was so confused. No, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, father has been passed away for a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lanny Poffo, Leaping Lanny Poffo, otherwise known as the genius, was Randy Savage's brother. Yes, there we go. Passed away. Uh, Bushwhacker Butch, superstar Billy Graham, uh, you know, one of the biggest physical uh, names and one of the biggest characters where Hulk Hogan got his inspiration. The Iron Sheik lived a, a damn good long time considering how many demons he was fighting. Um, but I mean, in his you know first 20, 30 years, he was in the best shape of anybody. He was like Kurt Angle shape. Uh, he was in great shape. Bob Backlund shape, even if you want to talk about that. And then a gentleman uh, who dressed up as Mantar, uh, he passed away as well. Not as extremely well known, but um, you know, he passed away. And then um, also, if you want to go to the list of just anybody who, uh, you know, superstar or entertainment wise, Tina Turner, Lisa yeah. Marie Presley, Raquel yeah. Welch, Sinead O'Connor, yeah. um, Jeff Beck, David Crosby, Tony Bennett. Now, he lived a good long time, too. Yes. And, yeah. and he was singing all the way to the end. All the way to the end. Yes. You know it? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Cindy Williams, Alan Arkin, another actor, uh, good long time. Jim Brown, Cleveland, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Cleveland royalty. Harry Belafonte, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. Come on, man. Pee Wee Herman, yeah. Um, just that this year, you talk about it going by fast. Um, this year has been just a very defining year for a lot of these, a lot of these folks. Um, yes. So, you know, shout, shout out to all their friends and family. And we definitely want to honor all of them on the podcast. And, you know, it's entertainment. That's why we watch what we watch and do what we do. And yeah. that's why we're here on the podcast. You, you know what it is, man? It's Go that ahead. along, you know, and I know I'm taking it back, but it's like, you know, growing, when you're growing up and you're going through life, a lot of people that pass away tend to be people that your, your parents era like grew up with. You know what I'm sure. saying? Sure. And then it's like now we're kind of getting to that point where it's like it's the people that we grew up on. Oh, boy. You know, and, and that we kind of grew up, even if we didn't necessarily, we weren't kids. We still in our younger years knew. You know what I'm saying? Right. The, that's the hard part. Yeah. And maybe that's a sign of us getting older. Yeah, uh, yeah of course. Yeah. Getting more experience, perhaps, you know, and yeah. just you know, all these people that we grew up with when they're in their 30s and 40s. Most of them. Yes. At the time. At the time. Correct. They're yeah. now in their late 70s and 80s, correct? Yeah, yeah. so they're getting yeah. up there. Um, yeah. But a lot of people are dying a lot earlier, too, uh, due to That's a lot true. of different things. Yeah. And it just seems like, I guess because of social media and news moving so fast through the world, 
like as soon as it happens, one of us knows about it. Know and then, about we, it. Yeah. then we tell the group, you know, and then that's how everybody finds out. Yeah. Cause I text you immediately when I found out about Bray, I, I am, you were literally the first person I reached out to immediately finding out like it was crazy. And I, yeah. I certainly do appreciate that. And I was, um, I was out of pocket at the time and I found it maybe an hour or two later, but, uh, you know, your, your text message. And I was like, well, and I, again, I certainly do appreciate it, but I'm like, God damn, like that. Wh why? What? Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. thinking at first, my wrestling brain was going, it's a worry. Why the character is dead. It's a work. Yeah. It's a work. <laughs> it's right. a work. <laughs> uh, my pro wrestling brain yeah. going, it's a work. Uh, yeah. but it didn't JT wrestling. I know you heard all those names. It's a lot of names. Um, but you're still here and, and you're still going on. Has that affected the, the way you look at pro wrestling or entertainment or anything? Has it affected your life in a negative way? Just knowing that all these people, they, they've passed on, but they've given so much to us while they were here. Does it, are you uh, feeling impact? Um, not, not so much a negative way. I mean, I guess the, I was kind of surprised by the Tina Turner passing. Yeah, because I know she was up there, but mm. I mean, uh, she, uh, as far as I knew, she was about to put on a concert somewhere. So um, when I heard that, I was like, I was shocked, but I was also like, I, I know approximately how old she was, so right. it wasn't that shocking. Yeah, I mean, still, I mean, yeah, still, you just it it kind of comes out of nowhere, and that's somebody like Big Ugly said we were we grew up with Tina Turner on our radios, and you know, yeah. parents grew up with that, um, and and not to be morbid or anything, but I just went back to 2022 and just checked that list. I mean, think about all these people that we grew up with: Kirstie Alley, yeah, Angela Lansbury, Murder yep. She Wrote, Sydney mm -hmm. Poitier, yep. Um, meatloaf, yeah, for God's sake, Louis Anderson, Coolio, yeah. um, Bob freaking Saget, Bob Saget, man. I mean, that one hit hard, yes, 60 some years old, and he was in the prime of life, like doing yeah. his thing, and it came out of nowhere. Barbara Walters, uh, mm -hmm. yep, you know, Ivan Reitman, you know, huge in the movie biz, you know, in, in the Hollywood biz, uh, just the, the names, it's just incredible. And again, shout out to all those, you know, men and women, all those folks and whatever age they, you know, they passed away, you know, uh, most of those people, as far as we understand, contributed so much to entertainment, contributed so much to family and personal lives. And we're all very nice people. Um, you know, obviously we don't know everything about everybody, but, you know, usually they don't advertise things if, unless like if there's something bad to say, they ain't going to say it right. or they're going to they're going to put that away, but, uh, or it's going to come out later on, but I don't remember anything being said negative about any of these people. Um, some of them made this, it a good this, long time. This, this, this has gotten sad. Can we talk about some, something exciting? Yes, we can. Uh, I am. I apologize. Depressed. I said I wasn't going to get morbid. I just, that, that Google machine. Yeah. And I it, was just like, you know what, if, if anything to take away from all of this, we got to celebrate life every day, yes. all day. That's All the people idea. you hang out with, family, friends, uh, co-workers, you know, whatever, acquaintances, make sure that you know that you give a shit, that you care, you know, um, and, and shake hands, give hugs, whatever is in your wheelhouse. Spend time, spend experiences. Um, just just get out there and live your best life, whatever that means.
Yeah. Um, yeah. And do it. But anyway, let's talk about something different. Let's talk about AEW first. And I know CM Funk is not here, the uh, king of uh, non-social media, hashtag no hashtag. I know he said he wanted to change his gimmick at some point in time, but he's not here right now. So that's the gimmick we're still going to give him because we love this man. Um, that's what we want to shout out to CM Funk. And Jam and Jason, that, that's a gimmick that'll be always going. But I want to talk about All In. I want to talk about Wembley Stadium, the first ever professional wrestling event inside Wembley Stadium. Live. JT Wrestling, you know about this because you were here. We watched it. Yeah, I watched it. It was very entertaining. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed it. Good. And we had a good time. So, uh, how was it? Did they sell out Wembley? I, I saw some things on TikTok that looked like you know, there were some empty seats. Like, how'd they do? Yeah. Well, in their minds, I mean, it's a sellout. But they <laughs> sold – well, le- this is a shoot. Legit, they sold over 80,000 tickets to this show. Right. And there are about ninety to 100,000 seats in that stadium okay. at, at capacity. So, especially, like, in the upper, upper, upper levels. Like, you saw yeah. some empty seats. No, I mean, listen, um, for AEW to sell 80,000, that's crazy. Like, that's – that's amazing. Yeah, and most of them being sold before there was ever a match even announced. Yes. Um, this sold for the f- fact that it's a professional wrestling event inside of Wembley Stadium. That's the reason that this sold. Now, AEW may have had something to do with telling stories and creating matches towards maybe the last month heading up to this. Um, but Eric Bischoff had a real good good look at this this is kind of something that i said um while we were sitting here watching this i was like does this seem like a big enough deal to you like i know it's a big stadium i know they sold eighty thousand tickets this is what they're banking on but the wrestling that's inside of the ring there's only four or five years established with this company and there's even less time established with a lot of these characters and storylines within the confines of acw aew so does it really give you that vibe, that monumental, this is larger than life? And Eric Bischoff said, no, it's a glorified house show. Um, kind of like what we think about the WWE events in Saudi when they don't have storylines and they don't have titles and everything like that. They just put everybody on the card that they can. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not knocking the show. Show was great. Wrestling was great. Let's, I think let, there were some great spots. Can we unpack that for a sec? So- of course we can. Yeah, sorry, using corporate terms. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I guess I want to say, is it fair to – what is the measurement that we're using by that, right? Because it's like what WrestleMania 1 could have maybe said the same thing, correct? Like WWE didn't have as much under its belt by the time we got to that first WrestleMania, but it was the first of its kind, so it was big, it, you know – I don't know how 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 would Eric Bischoff be measuring it? Is I guess what I'm saying. I think Eric Bischoff is measuring it, having been a CEO in WCW and also creative in WWE. Kind of looking at it like, is it is this show too big for its britches at this point in time in its in its life as far as AEW is concerned? WWF WWF has been around in some form or capacity for. 20, 30 years before they even thought about WrestleMania. And Vince Jr., when he bought it from his dad and did WrestleMania for the first time in uh, 1985, you know, he had been running a company 
for a while. But he did not try to put this event into a 93,000 stadium until WrestleMania three. He put it in Madison Square Garden. He put it in Los Angeles, Chicago, New York. He put one and two in 20,000 seat arenas. Now, granted, it. They didn't have the reach back then. Pay-per-view was just in its infancy, and it was all about uh, closed circuit, like going to movie theaters and shit like that. But I think that's what Eric Bischoff was saying. Like This this show could have been so much more epic and monumental. It it seems like within the storylines that they packed into the show, once the match was over, you didn't really care anymore. Now, granted, the in-ring action and the matches themselves, the physicality, wonderful. And, but, and and putting all of the former WWE stars, putting all the big names on this show was definitely a help to get some of that history behind. You had Sting, you had Christian, you had Chris Jericho, you had, uh, uh, freaking Billy Gunn. Like a lot of these, uh, former big time superstars you had on this show somewhere. I just think as good as this show was in the ring. And as much now as they got to move on, and they already announced that they're going to do this again next year in Wembley in August again. So obviously for for London and for AEW, it was a great success. Their pay-per-view buys, I don't know. Maybe it was good. But I just think that there needs to be more substance, and we need more out of it. I think they could have done more. Now, obviously, they had other plans, and people got injured, and things changed, and whatever. So it's but, not necessarily the spectacle of it, but more so the storylines are subpar at this point. The storylines are subpar. The spectacle was not there. You the know what? How, wasn't there? Okay, gotcha. No, you know how in you know how in SummerSlam and now roughly SummerSlam Royal Rumble they put a little tiny stage, and the spectacle is the event itself. Like. But the storylines are there. But with, with, with excuse me, with WrestleMania, they build sets. They have uh, uh, lights and pyro and every. Now they did have pyro. Yes, they did. But it just seemed like the spectacle wasn't there. It was it was like a glorified house show to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I'm not knocking it. Again, I just think when we get to WrestleMania 40 and they put that in a stadium that has a capacity of 70,000 and they they fill it. And they fill it two nights in a row. When you watch it on television, you know you're watching WrestleMania. Right. When you watch it all in, it's like, oh, the stadium's cool. There's a lot of people there. There's some fireworks. But it's like, then the spectacle and and, and the entertainment of the spectacle is just not there. It yeah. There. So then that brings me to this, right? Now, the the language being used, glorified house show, right? Yeah. But like yeah. for somebody like Eric Bischoff, it's like he could have said a glorified like Wednesday night dynamite. That is dynamite on Wednesdays, right? That's what it is. Correct, correct, correct. Um, but it's like to say a glorified house show. It, so does that? Would you say that AEW in general is exactly that? Like it is. It has still not risen to being a well thought out and drawn out. Uh, wrestling promotion and that it is like a glorified house show overall I, I part of me wants to say that and i know they they've got a lot of content and they've got a lot of shows and they're trying to do a lot of different things but they're trying again i think that they're trying to be too big for their britches too fast i understand tony khan and his father and, and they own the jacksonville jaguars they have money so if they can do it they will and i know all these guys in the pro wrestling business that go over there and they live a completely different life they, they live the life of, hey, on Wednesday or 
you know, Saturday and maybe on pay-per-view days, we're going to go to AEW. But other than that, we're living our indie life. We're going around from town to town, getting booked and getting paid to, to be an indie. Now, granted, their indie value goes up when they work on AEW because it's a bigger platform. But I think what you're saying, I, I, it's just not – it's a different It's a different level. But they're trying to – they're trying to play in the same pool as WWE with these with this big eighty thousand seat stadium. I yeah. don't think they're there yet. I don't think they need it. I don't think they need to be planning one for next year. Unless they're really gonna make this their WrestleMania. Like if they're gonna build this up for a year and and have you know in-depth storylines that cross over into pop culture and entertainment and all this other stuff. It just seems like they, they're doing it for themselves. You know what I'm saying? They're putting on their own backyard wrestling show. I don't, and that's a bad – I'm just saying they're doing it for themselves. Right. I get it. It's not necessarily for the actual like need of it or for the actual love of the – yeah, I get it. It's almost like to prove, hey, we're just as big as WWE. Let me right. ask you this. Do they have their own WrestleMania? Like I'm just – I've been unsure about this. JT Wrestling, I think we talked about this when you were here. I don't think they do. I think they've made it. It's either double or nothing or all in or full gear. I don't think they have a designated like biggest event of the year. Do you think so? I don't think they have one yet, but I definitely think they're trying to make all in their WrestleMania for sure. I mean, they've had, they've had, they've had their big, big ones, all the ones you named. Yeah. But I think they're just trying to make this all in um, show the main one for for like you said for like the WrestleMania because like we were talking about All In was the name of their first show ever before right. it was AEW. Right. They just they just made a show and said the show's called All In and we have all these people. Here's <laughs> the new people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So right. yeah, that that's that's it, Fidugly. I mean, it's just that they're kind of that here. Here we are, and this is it. It's not like this was promoted. It, they 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 call it the biggest event in wrestling history, but because it's in it's in a big stadium. I mean, and they sold a lot of tickets. But granted, London does not get big pay per view. Yeah. It was wrestling like, events. Yeah, it's almost like they were cheating. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's kind of like, well, you know, if we go to London, yeah, and we get we put yeah. something in Wembley Stadium, it's never been there before. Yeah. It's it like don't matter NFL, what you have on a card, yeah, we're going. The, correct. The NFL can send the two of the worst teams in the league out there to play in London. It, it's going to be a huge draw. Yeah. Right. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly right. That's when when they, when they do the NFL, uh, you know, once or twice a year, or they, they send them to London or they send them to Mexico. When they right. do that stuff, it's just a unique experience for that. And, and what's to say? Because if you try to put 80,000 people for AEW in America in a stadium like that, it ain't happening. No. No, you. I mean, they can barely fill five, ten thousand seats on a weekly basis, and yeah. they've got to keep sections empty and and cheat camera angles every week. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they were smart to go to London. Yes, right. They weren't going to do that. They they did it so that they could say about their paid capacity and all this other stuff. But I I just don't think, and, and we're going to get off this. But I just. Too big for its britches at this point in time. And yeah. when 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 WrestleMania comes, even when the Royal Rumble comes around, where it's going to be, maybe in Tampa, uh, in the big in the big stadium in Tampa, um, it, it's just going to outshine this. And even though they sold eighty one thousand tickets, who knows what they sold those tickets for? Like how much the price was? But the gate 
for All In was beat by the and overall once All In was over, they had the gate, you know, the full gate, and the, excuse me, and WrestleMania in Philadelphia beat it in one day. Wow. I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah. And that's over two nights, obviously, but and and the prices are higher. I get it, but that's you know WrestleMania is talked about all year every year for 40 straight years you know it's the big one and you know people are coming all over the world they don't necessarily care what's on the card either but nope. when you get to that card you definitely get some things that have been built up for so long and you get culminations of huge storylines and you get you know you're going to get some kind of spectacle every single year you might not like it you might not agree with it but you know you're going to get it every year yep um but anyway uh, all in. I got one more question for you when it comes to AEW. CM Punk is back. How, how's this? How's this second run of his going? Oh, and I'm gonna speak for uh, CM Funk on this one too. So let's tell you about All In. Uh, CM Punk was in the first match of the night against Samoa Joe in the actual pay per view, and he won, retaining his real world championship that he won the world title and had to take time off or whatever. So he brought it back, put an X on it, another piece of merchandise for them to sell. Um, and apparently he had another backstage altercation at this show with jungle boy, Jack Perry this time. Um, and apparently punk got all pissed off, threatened to quit, left the building earlier than he was supposed to left during the show. Uh, and to to told Tony Khan that he quit. Um, now this is not storyline. <laughs> this is this is a full on shoot. Yeah, no, this, this is this is typical Phil Brooks, is what it sounds. You're right, <laughs> Phil. In this environment, he should have come back maybe one time. And I, granted, he came back to AEW. He didn't come back to WWE, so he came back to that inner that inner we were just talking about that inner uh, workings of just AEW, and yeah. they're all family. You know, they they've been working together on indies forever. CM yeah. Punk just feels entitled because he's been doing it for so long, whatever the case may be. It seems like punk is involved in altercation after altercation, after altercation. Yeah. It, yep. Listen, go, I'm, go ahead. I'm glad that it's happening in AW because it shows all of those CM Punk fans from your 2014s and 15s that wanted to shout his name. Yeah. That it's obvious. He's the problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't matter which promotion he goes to. He's the problem. Even when he is, he always complained about not being on last for WrestleMania, not being the guy. CM Punk goes to AEW, he's the guy, right? He, he's probably one of the biggest superstars they've ever got. Even, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't say bigger than Jericho has been, but as far as like he's younger than Jericho, you know, and when he left WWE, he was still a superstar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And even in the spot that he gets on AEW, he still is not happy. Like, you because for somebody to get into this much confrontation with people, like, what what are you not happy? Like, there has to be something wrong, you know, going on inside you. Yeah. At this point in his career, he should be like a Jericho. He should be grooming the young guys, you know, helping the young guys. It, it's crazy that he's still continuing to get in confrontation. Yeah. I mean, that that's what it should be all about. And Jungle Boy Jack Perry is one of those younger guys. And he's one of those pillars of AEW that was there from the beginning. So... You know, Punk is a visitor in his world, but yeah. don't matter. Uh, I, I don't know. Again, I don't know all the details. I know uh, CM Funk uh, brought this to my attention, but it's a damn shame because he and, he and Samoa Joe actually had a pretty good match. And uh, but don't look like uh, as for now, we might not be seeing Punk anytime soon. As for now, maybe not. 
maybe oh, not. But moving on. Moving on. A lot, preview, a lot of good things yeah, in, in should, AEW. Go should ahead. we preview payback? Yeah, let's do it. Um, by the way, MJF and Adam Cole started the show in the kickoff show. They won the ROH tag team titles. And then MJF and Adam Cole finished the show in the main event, wrestling for 30 minutes. And they had a whole storyline of will he turn on him? Will he not? Um, it's it's an actual storyline that we've seen in the WWE for so many times. Matter of fact, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn actually pretty much uh, and, and the Usos back and forth together have had the, pretty much the same damn storyline. Yep, yep. um, so oh. nobody can. I got to talk about this. I don't think we talked about it yet. Can I go on a tangent? Please. I hate the Usos storyline. I hate it. Listen, sometimes wrestling, yo, you got to know when to just let a story in, right? WWE is trying to milk this bloodline thing to the end. Listen, if if the story was going to end with Jay going over or Reigns going over, this should have been it like it should have been ready to find a way out adding in the turn of jimmy on jay it, it's it's such a blatant like move to keep this storyline going for as long as possible that it's like it's hard for me to enjoy at this point because it seems, yeah it just seems like they're rehashing it in the other direction correct you're just rehash you know it, it's just like it, it's like what's what's happening you literally just had jet you had jimmy already who won it out. And then you had the, the little turn where Jay is like, you're out and I'm out too. And now you're going to have Jimmy turn on Jay. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> this was like three weeks later. I know. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess we're going to find out as things go along. Uh, but it, it, it seems like when we talk about the bloodline being the biggest storyline ever, uh, it looks like it has reached a point where they're recycling it. And, even if you'd only put it on a couple times, uh, if you even if Roman only comes on a couple times a month, even if you only do the storyline, people are gonna get uh, wrestling fans are gonna get fickle, and they're gonna be like, we don't want this anymore. Um, right, and you know what? If when they roll into Philadelphia for WrestleMania 40, if you roll in there with a, ha a half-assed uh, bloodline storyline that doesn't come to some kind of conclusion, if it's not already done. You gonna get a riot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this is Philadelphia, man. This ain't Los yeah. Angeles. I mean, LA's had their share of riots, I know, but this ain't Houston. You know what? This is a wrestling town uh, yes. that is very fickle, and yes. we know it firsthand. Yes. Um, JT Wrestling. What do you think about the Usos? Is it too much? Is it not enough? What What about the Bloodline? Go ahead. I don't have much insight on it because I'm not much of a SmackDown fan. Fair. I just I just know what I hear on Monday Night Raw, and I agree they're just dragging it out too long. Just let someone leave or turn or be good or something. <laughs> just finish it, right? And listen, if you have to take Reigns back to just it, maybe it's just him and so Heyman. So uh, Heyman and uh, the the what's Sokoa? Solo, yeah. Solo, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Solo. It, I mean, just go ahead, like let the Usos be on their own. Like I, I don't know, but doing the brother on brother turn, it just, it, it just, it's a, like, like I say, the problem is, it's not even that the brother turn on the brother. It's just that it doesn't make sense because yeah. you literally just showed this one brother who was fed up with Reigns, and almost, and and being the one that was like Reigns was trying to get him back to full. 
Then the other brother being Jay decides like, oh, you know what? I'm going to actually go out with you. And then the original brother that was like, I'm done with this is the one that turns on his brother. That It just, it's like it as a story, it does not make sense. (laughs) Right. You know, so we're going to see where it goes from here. Um, But hopefully they do a little better. Now you talk about a reason to watch SmackDown, the return of John Cena to SmackDown. Uh, this, uh, tomorrow night, actually September 1st and John Cena. Oh, hold on now. Okay. Sorry. 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 This is going to be a tour of John Cena because he's sticking around and he's going to be on SmackDown and on live shows for September and October. So obviously this little writing strike that's going on in Hollywood gave John Cena a little bit of time. So he going to come back for a short run. Now, what is so funny? Is it? I'm just saying it's funny because they want the the rock actually oh, right. <laughs> the rock actually was asked to come back and he actually said that the reason well Brian Gerwerk said the reason that the rock hasn't come back is because he didn't feel like it was appropriate for him to go be making money while other actors and stuff are right. you know not making money. And when I heard the answer I was like that's BS. He just doesn't want to come back. And I feel like John Cena proves that like you know what I'm saying like Cena's like I got some extra time on my hand. I'm going to go back to wrestling. But yeah. Right. And he's going to appear and he's going to wrestle and maybe it's going to be a little bit, you know, more safe wrestling than he used to be doing. But that's OK. Uh, he's coming back. And uh, John Cena is going to be that guy for quite can, a long time. Can I talk about what I don't like about Cena coming back in recent times? You can. He just continues, I feel like, to and, and I use this word very loosely. Right. Because I but he continues to just come back and kind of bury. I'm, I'm saying I'm doing air quotes, bury new talent like with the promos. It's like. He comes back. He always ends up working with a new talent and he kind of just talks them down about essentially how most of them aren't really over yet. Cause that's kind of his, his role these days is get new talent over. And I'm, and I, I just feel like at a point it becomes tired. It's like, he's, he's not engaging with a character anymore. He's just addressing talents, real life issues of getting over. I hear you. I mean, and that's part of the formula. I guess, and, and and I guess it works, and it works for TV ratings, and it works for ticket sales. So that's all they're going to look at, yeah. you know. And it's that, and it's the, it's an it's an old school formula, and I hear you. Uh, but maybe maybe something inter- interesting will come out of it. I don't know. We're not going to get another five star match. We're not going to get uh, anything really really different at this point. But to have him come out to hear the music, to sell another T shirt, whatever it is. Uh, you know, we'll be able to see it. And they're they're advertising it for the next two months. So we are going to see. But I understand guys, where exactly where tell you're me, Tell me what you think about this, though, Dirty Mike and JT. Ah, ah. LA, LA Knight and John Cena. Dude, if <laughs> – here's the thing. <laughs> LA Knight is so over as yeah. an anti-hero. Yes. If he went up against John Cena and John Cena was kind of like uh, – John Cena's poster boy good guy right now. He would have to play some kind of a heel, dig, dig back into thugonomics. You know, I, I would love that. I mean, it depends on how far John Cena is willing to go. But, dude, I would love it. And you want to talk about giving somebody to rub? Shoot. What do you think, JT Wrestling? John Cena versus LA Knight? I didn't see it, and I, I can definitely see him um, being a heel again. Uh, maybe not. I mean, yeah, jump back more into the character of Thugonomics, but not exactly go completely back. Just, but just have the attitude. Just, um, 
Gotcha. And it's not necessarily more about John Cena dipping back into a character more than it is L.A. Knight going further into his. Because he's not changing. He's still the same guy. If he comes out against John Cena, I guarantee you the crowd would be for L.A. Knight no matter what. At this point. That would be that would be great. I would love it. Um, so... Let's go run down uh, the payback card, what we're going to see on Labor Day weekend. Uh, you're going to see Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus in the steel cage, unless they pull it from the pay-per-view, which they shouldn't because there's only six matches announced right now. Uh, Seth freaking Rollins defending his World Heavyweight Championship against Shinsuke Nakamura, who is playing a real nasty heel now on Monday Night Raw, um, attacking back injuries, attacking family, attacking kids. Uh, as far as his story, uh, his heel character. So that's that's a guy who's been tweening back and forth. So they just threw him back there. Rhea Ripley defending against Raquel Rodriguez. We all know Rhea's probably going to win that. Rey Mysterio defending the U.S. title against Austin Theory. I think this is just a last-ditch effort for Austin Theory at this point. Um, there's no reason for him to beat Mysterio unless somebody else comes out and helps him. Uh the semi-main event, L.A. Knight versus The Miz. By the way, if you didn't see it on Monday Night Raw, they played L.A. Knight's music, and The Miz came out and impersonated him. It was freaking hilarious. Um, check that out. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a, yeah. Hey, it's going, I, everybody thought all of his impersonations when he comes out like as The Rock or whatever, every, you don't even know it until he's halfway down the aisle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so good. It's so good. And the main event, theoretically, is Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defending the Tag Team Championship against the Judgment Day, Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Um, Dominic's probably going to be there, but Dominic is the NXT North American champion, so that's going to be there. So that's going to be this weekend. Um, and that's in Pittsburgh, a premium live event on this side of the pond for once this year, other than the Big Four. Um so we will see. And I guess when we talk at the uh, towards the end of September, we're going to talk about what happened on Payback. We're going to talk about what happened at uh, All Out, the next AEW pay-per-view. And this is something that we don't agree with, with CM Funk would definitely say as well. They just had a $60 pay-per-view at All In on uh, uh, to 27th. Now they're going to have another $60 pay-per-view seven freaking days later on Sunday, September 3rd. And it's a completely different card. It's from Chicago's United Center, which doesn't even have CM Punk at this point because he's on outs with the company. And it's it's literally you want you want to say it earlier, Fit Ugly. It's a mid card dynamite thing. It's going to be a glorified <laughs> dynamite in a bigger arena, and you're going to have to pay sixty dollars to see it. That is bad, bad strategy, bad business, bad. Um, you think is this company going to burn out, dude? As long as they don't run out of money and the Jacksonville Jaguars don't fold and the Khan family doesn't have to like get involved in a tremendous lawsuit, they ain't going to go anywhere. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. But it's going to get old because they ain't doing anything different. They're not doing anything new. They're just doing things on a different scale, and they have a lot of money. <laughs> right. So it's – you know, people are going to watch WWE or AEW or both. Most people are going to flip back and forth. Anyway, I want to say to you guys, I appreciate you guys. Um, JT Wrestling, I appreciate you uh, hanging out, going to baseball games, coming to pay-per-views. You know, this is what we do. And, of course, joining us on the podcast. So I want you to keep doing what you're doing and go Orioles and go Ravens. And I thank you very much, sir. Thank you for having me all the time. I enjoy 
both of your companies every time I'm with you guys. So it's all good. You got it, brother. And Fit Ugly, I appreciate you for doing what you do. This is a, this is fantastic. Um, we're going to connect after this. And you and I don't go anywhere because uh, we got an interview to do. Um, so we're going to meet back here at, at a, uh, in a, about five minutes to eight. But, hey, man, I want to say thank you and you the man. And this is the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast, and we got to keep rolling with this thing. Yes, sir. So uh, don't go anywhere. Dirty Ugly Podcast, what wrestling podcast listeners, we're going to come back with my friend Nick, also known as Sickened. So listen to this musical interlude. Don't go anywhere and fit ugly. I will see you in about 20 minutes. See ya. Peace. We are back on the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. My name is Dirty Mike, and normally you would hear Fit Ugly's voice, the Big Ugly, right behind me. Uh, but he is—he would be cutting me off. But right now, he's taking care of some very technical things for the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. And we appreciate that because he's the man. But we promised you, I've been pushing it all the way through this podcast and I've been pushing it for months and months because this name has come up on every single podcast for the last several months. So finally, finally, uh, I get to talk to this guy. This guy's busy. Um, this guy is living life. Uh, this guy is has been involved in at least 30 professional wrestling organizations that I can count. The number is probably higher. But uh, the one that I was fortunate enough, I worked with him in several different companies, but the one I was fortunate enough to meet him in is ACW, Adrenaline Championship Wrestling. And um, I got to call some really cool ring announcements for this guy. I got to referee this guy. And I'm going to tell you more about you know how I know this guy, but I want to introduce him to you. He is the one, he is the only, he is sickened. Welcome to the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast, finally, brother. What's up, man? It has been a minute. I know we've, we've talked offline here the last five, ten minutes. We've done intro after intro trying to get this right, but, I mean, we got it right now, and it has been a minute. I know I've been following you on the social media. Uh, I, I know it's been a while since we've worked together, but first of all, uh, we're going to get into how we know each other and what you do and who you are, but how the how the hell are you, man? Dude, it is. Uh, it has been a wild ride um, recently, uh, just with a lot of different things. Uh, but wrestling, uh, you know, it's always treated me well. Uh, the friends, the family, everything that I've made through it, uh, just the memories and stuff like that. But it's also put a lot of wear and tear on me here these last couple of years. So, But, uh, you know, life is good, man. I can't complain about it. And that's great because you're doing what you love and you're in there and – you, you know, you're traveling from place to place, and the wear and tear on your body, that's that's going to happen. You know, you know, getting into this business, you know it's going to happen. Um, but you're still doing it, and you, I just respect the hell out of that. And that's great, because uh, anytime you're in there, you put on a hell of a show. And I appreciate that. So that's good to hear that you're doing good. Great to have your voice and your presence on this podcast. Uh, we've been going seven and a half years. I wish I was doing this when I had first met you. It was shortly after that I started, uh, doing this podcast with Eric and, uh, but you know, it, it's been a minute, uh, since we've all worked together, but I tell hey man, you better late than never. Right. You know what? Better late than never. 
and time is not guaranteed as we uh, we we kind of talked about this earlier in the podcast but you know between Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk and uh you know freaking so many other different names this year especially Man, Bray Wyatt never know. I mean 36 years old bro I mean come on yeah. <laughs> I, I just I just turned thirty five this past weekend. I know. I I so, uh and I was and, like, trust me, when all that happened and they're like Bray was thirty six, I'm like, damn, I just turned thirty five like today, you know? It's it was crazy. And, and definitely happy birthday to you and I appreciate it, thank you. I yeah. spent I spent my uh I spent my birthday in um Virginia wrestling for uh adrenaline championship wrestling and with all my my boys and my students and then you know Sunday I spent in Pennsylvania for HWF uh in a nice hardcore match <laughs> <laughs> why not right a little, a little Terry Funk tribute there yeah oh man I'm telling you it's uh, that, that's what you do that's what you want to do. That's what you love to do. And that's what, you know, birthday or not, that's what you're doing. And that's fantastic. And um, I want to give, you know, that there is a background between, you know, you and me. Like I said, how I know you. And I prefaced this. You know, you, you were in the business for, you know, a little while when I got there. And you were, uh, you know, definitely wrestling on, on the top of the card. And I got there and I was sort of new, sort of green when I first met you as far as refereeing and then ring announcing. But... You know, you always welcomed me. We always shook hands. We always hugged after it was over. Uh, I always asked you your honest opinion on things that I have done or think things that I could do better. And you were always gracious, but you were always real with me. And I always appreciated that. Um, and it all led up to... Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just like, I always think that that's what's, like, <clears throat> what's lacking in the wrestling business now is when somebody asks for when somebody asks for an opinion either somebody gives them a bullshit opinion and never even paid attention to their match and just feels the need to say something like i'll just say it if i haven't seen it or they they just dog you for no reason and they give you no help they just you know kind of dump on you and don't give you a reason so if you're gonna if you're gonna be critical and, and criticize and shit like that then you, you got to give you got to give them some help and positivity to go along with it of how to fix something right so that's how i always look at it i think uh robbie page matt silks i think uh you know folks that i've talked to um recently on this podcast kind of said the same thing it's, it's it's something that's lacking these days um as far as i, I don't know about the WWE, AEW, all that kind of stuff. But I can tell you on, on the independent scene that, you know, that's a big deal. I mean, respect. It, it should be given. It should be taken. And honesty. I mean, come on, man. Um, but, yeah, you were. that's why I was always cool with you because I think I got to know you on a professional and a little bit of a personal level. So when I got out there and I refereed your matches or I, I, I announced you, like there were certain things that I just knew that would get – you over like I I knew cadences I knew um emphasis I I understood timing and this is all kind of stuff that you gave me over the years and I still use to this day so that was one of the reasons why I easily got along with you too is because you you were I mean first of all you were always very cool you were always nice you still are thank you, you always you always came and you, you asked like there's a lot of people that don't like ask and I always say if if you if you need or if you want to know something, ask the guys that have been around, like, or the people that are the the locker room leaders in those companies. Go to them, ask them for, you know, ask them for advice and stuff like that. And you did when I saw so many others coming in that 
you know, didn't do that type of thing, and they never lasted. So it was always cool that you you would come and ask, and I saw you asking other people. So like I I saw you when you cared. That was the main thing. I care about this business, and I saw somebody else who gave a shit. <laughs> Absolutely do, and I thank you for that. I'm I'm glad you recognize that in me. And even though I'm not as active anymore as I was, um, but I'm still I'm still there. I'm still pushing. I'm still promoting. And if I can do something like this, and you know, get something you know, online and help share it and cross promote and, you know, help you do what you do. That's, that's the same thing. I care. I still give a shit. Exactly. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You're still, you're still, this is still a part of the business. You're still doing something active in it. Yeah. I wish, I wish my body caught up with me and I could still, you know, jump up and down, especially with the knees refereeing and all that kind of stuff. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, it does, uh, it does catch up to you, bro. uh, I mean, I did a whole lot, you know, I did the backyard thing and I was also, you know, doing bowling and physical stuff for, and theater for so many years. And I actually got into the business later traditionally than most people. I started when I was 35. I was Diamond Dallas Page all the way, baby. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I got a good, I'd say I got a, you know, minus COVID, I got a good 10 years out of it. And, um, yeah, there you go. Uh, you, I might have worked for 10 different companies and five of them, I'm sure you were in at the same time that I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we did quite uh, we did cross paths quite a bit. We did. I saw, we, you, I saw you a lot in one month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we. I think there was a month there where we were working back to back shows on Friday and Saturday, pretty much every weekend. Whether it was EWA, ACW, SWO. Um, oh yeah. Let's see. There's a couple. I, I mean, I'm throwing them all out there. There was one in West Virginia, I think. There was one uh, out in Pennsylvania. Like- there was another one where. Uh, uh, I was going to say I know we, I know we did I, the the main ones that I the main ones that I remember are ACW and EWA yeah and yeah. I, and SWA I do remember that but the ones that I know there was a bunch of other ones but I probably couldn't there was a lot of one off <laughs> shows and you know somebody got their tax refunded I don't know you know <laughs> oh we don't have to go there I know exactly where you're going with that. <laughs> Oh exactly. my god! See that—that's the stories, and that's up and down the road, man. I, I love this shit. Um, but yeah, no, especially ACW. I mean, uh, and, and I was really proud to get in on the ground floor. You know, when I was when I came in, and the first show I did for ACW, I was an Iron Man ref. I worked all night, and uh, I, do, I do remember that. Yeah, and I and, do remember that. And uh, good old, like, uh, <laughs> and, and good old. Uh, Good old James, good old Jimmy was in the first match, you know, pretty ugly. And um, I got I got an education real quick. Um, so where you did. Yeah, I did. And I was like, you know what? I, I just learned something. And I learned something all night long. I learned when ropes break in the middle of the matches. I learned timing as far as breaking people up in the corner. Um, I learned more cadences and, and keeping cadences and not getting hyped up myself in the match when I get excited because I'm still a fan. I mean, I'm a, I was in the ring doing a job, but I'm still a fan. Um, but I always appreciated that. And I tell you what, I, I'm going to get into more of talking to you about you, but this is kind of, like I said, it's been a while since we've talked, but one thing, the video and the clip that always comes up every year as a memory on Facebook, and I always share it because it was one of the coolest things I ever got to do was when you had that gold rush, that Money in the Bank type briefcase, and you cashed it in, and I got to announce the cash-in. And right before that all happened, we talked to each other. And I remember 
you saying, hey, I know you're going to do this, but you know, when you announce that cash in, make sure you're loud, make sure you're, I was like, bro, I got you. Like, yeah, I was, I was terrified, nervous, because <laughs> that was, like, that was, I don't remember if that was something that was, uh, told at the beginning of the show that I was doing, or if I was told, like, after intermission that I was doing the cash-in, because I, I believe the cash-in was hid from me of when I was actually cashing it in. Right. Because if you remember, in the beginning of the show, I did um, six-person tag match with Riot City versus um, some other people. Michael Zemidio was one of them. Right. And after that, I did an in-ring promo and said when I was cashing that in was, like, two shows from then. Right. Like, and then I cashed it in that night, and I remember being, I remember being like, well, does that make me look like a heel now because I I said I was going to do this like as a baby face and then you have me turn around and cash it in last second and they're like I was told no because you're saving just incredible and I'm like oh, I mean that's true yeah I, I, I remember going I remember going into that and saying because like the original thing that I was told was uh, yeah go in there and um, it was just in, I think just incredible super kicked him or something and um, hit him with the kendo stick uh, or, or, I'm sorry, the Singapore cane. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. Um, yeah, I was like an ECW style, it's Singapore cane. Um, and then when the when you did the announcement and they rang the bell, uh, I remember it was just, uh, yeah, hit your springboard cutter and pin him. And I'm like, what? I, no. I was, like, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I was like, I don't want to do that. And I remember uh, pulling Prodigy aside, and I was like, hey, what if I hit my, uh, I was like, what if I hit my thing and you kick out? And he was like, well, that's different. And I was like, well, it'll make you look strong. And I was like, people are thinking I'm going to win. And if I don't get it off the jump, then they're going to think maybe I've, you know, I'm going to botch it. And I was like, then you can hit me with your finish and I'll kick out. And then like try for it again. And then I'm going to hit you a, a second time and we'll go home from there. And yeah, it was only supposed to be like, get in springboard cutter one, two, three. And we ended up doing like, I think like a little four minute, five minute back and forth. And it ended up getting over and I ended up not getting yelled at for doing it. So. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, and talk about taking ad advice from Reggie prodigy, you know, rest in peace, that brother. I mean, holy yeah, shit. Man. Love that guy. And he knew it too. And I think I, I felt it on the outside. I'm like, this is, this is a big thing. This is a major moment. Like, you know, for the, for the, for the people in that locker room and the fans that came and watched those shows in that location, um, I think that was that was huge, and the fact that you teased it earlier in the night. Me personally, I don't think I, I was told until that you told me that you were cashing in. I knew what the hell was going on with the match as the ring announcer, but I didn't know until later. That's why you were, you know, make you know. It's like okay, the way this is going down, just make sure you guys like. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah, and, I don't. I don't think I was told until intermission because I. I do remember going to like take off my my gear because I we I think we opened the show. Honestly, yeah, you I, sure did. I believe, yeah, I believe we were the first match, and I went to take off my gear, and I was told to leave it on. And oh, you got you got this spot in with Prodigy in the in the cage because you're gonna uh, save Justin Incredible. And I was like, okay, I mean, I don't know why I have to have my gear on for that. <laughs> and then I believe I was told a little bit after that that we were doing that and I was like, Oh shit, okay. Because I remember at the time I wanted my girl I wanted my girlfriend to be there. If when I won the you know, when I won and I told her I was like, You don't have to come to this one because 'cause I'm just doing a tag match. Don't worry about it. Right. So then I ended up winning and I remember sending her the picture and she was like, What the hell? And I'm like, I didn't know <laughs> This, I was like, yeah, it's wrestling. Shit changes. I don't know. It, it changes. But I think, uh, you know, 
the, the, the fact that it got so hot and all the false finishes and the fact it was with Prodigy, Reggie, and I, not only did I get to announce that you were cashing it in, but I got to announce that you won. And I think I whatever I had left in me, I blew myself completely up with both of it. Luckily, that was the end of the night because I couldn't have gone any further. Um, ring announcer, yeah, my was, voice was shot. Was, I remember it being like deafening and I was like, oh, they actually do care like they did want me to win this belt because i do i do remember being told like yeah we're gonna have to put the heavyweight title on you and i'm like you're gonna have to like what's that mean they're like well the fans want it and i'm like okay does that mean you guys don't you know like i'm trying i'm still learning the business myself at the time and i'm like oh well you know i guess the fans pushed them to put the belt on me and I, you know, it was cool. I just remember always being told you, you'll never, you'll never win like a heavyweight title. You're, you know, you're the cruiserweight guy or a tag guy. And I won. I that was a Friday night, if I'm correct. It was because the next night I wrestled in Delaware for Power Pro Wrestling, and I brought the ACW title out with me. And that night I won the Power Pro title. Right. As well, so I had both titles. But yeah, they were like, they found out that I uh, won the ACW title and they asked me to bring that one. And I, I won the PPW one that night, too. That's a hell of a weekend for you. Yeah, uh, from being the guy that was told, hey, you'll never do anything but hold a cruiserweight title and, uh, you know, be the small guy and never main event. I main evented two shows in two days in two different states and won two different world titles. <laughs> or heavyweight titles, I'm sorry. I don't like calling them world. Right. I got gotcha. you. But yeah, I was like, yeah, that was a that was a cool ass weekend for me, and I've had a lot of cool ass weekends like that since then. And but none of them will ever feel like that one in particular. I know that was that was a great. I was I was proud to be part of half of that. And uh, oh yeah, man, I was happy to have you be the one that announced me. Yes, sir. As I said, that video comes up, and I share it all the time. And I just remember how it's intense that was. And just to talk about, you know, what, you know, what kind of a guy you are, what kind of a, a performer you are. That's what it is. It's all about heart. It's all about intensity. You know, you don't do anything half-assed, and that's just a beautiful thing. Um, let me go back a little bit. Let's let's talk about Nick a little bit. Let's talk about and I'm I'm breaking kayfabe. I'm sorry. It's a dirty, ugly wrestling podcast. So fuck that shit. And and yeah, I just used my f bomb too. So that's okay. SoundCloud will not get in trouble. Um, I want to go back. I want to talk about how you got into the business. I want to know what you were Definitely watching. Try not to. <laughs> really? You don't want to? Can you hear me? You're good, man. Okay, I'll say, if there's things that you don't want to talk about, you don't have to. I was just curious, like, what your inspirations were growing up. Like, what what, what were you watching yeah. as a kid? Uh, if you were watching, like, what products, what what performers, and then, you know, how, how you... What happened? Yeah, exactly. I didn't hear anything. I can hear you now. Oh, you can hear me now? Oh, I didn't say... I, didn't, I never said anything. Okay. That's all right. So if it's technical difficulty, I apologize. But as far as, can you hear me about, you know, oh, talk, I, okay. Talk about a little bit how you got into the business. What were your inspirations? Simple, man. That's simple. Like, I just remember I, I was, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, go ahead. You just cut out for a second. Sorry about that. I'm here. Go ahead, man. Oh, still there? Yeah, so I I started watching I started watching WWF. I um You good? Yes, sir. Yeah, okay. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. I 
I remember watching WWF and the the first the, the first night of Raw. Yeah, I'm here. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. I apologize. We got technical difficulties, but go ahead and do what you got to do. I'm gonna take a pause. We're gonna we're gonna reset and we're gonna come back can for the you hear second. Me? Yeah, well, I can hear you. We're gonna come back for the second half of this interview. I'm just gonna take a pause. You keep, you keep cutting in and out. That's all right. We'll take a pause. Hang on one second. And we're back with the second part of our conversation with Sicken. We had technical difficulties. Our conversation was so intense and so hot. It was great. It blew up everything that we were talking on. It's it's great. See, <laughs> that's the kind of energy we put into stuff. Okay, you can hear me now. I can hear you. And yes, please talk about uh, how you got into the business. What were your inspirations? What were you watching? And, uh, you know, a little bit about the beginning of Skull, Sickened, Nick. Talk about the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I was just flipping through channels when I was younger, and I found WWF Raw, and it looked intriguing. I started watching it, and I never, never watched wrestling before. And um, it, it just... It caught my attention. I remember the night that I first started watching. It was the night that Vince McMahon and Stone Cold uh, were getting into it on Raw, and Stone Cold said he could beat Vince with one hand tied behind his back. And that was in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I was there, brother. That was the first night I remember watching wrestling. And wow. After that, it was like, you know, I would go to uh, Blockbuster Video, Hollywood Video, or this local one near me called Budget Video that was family-owned, and the guy there happened to be a huge wrestling fan, and he had a huge collection of uh, wrestling. I was never paying attention to the year or anything like that. I was just grabbing any wrestling thing that I could find and watching it, and you know, at that time period in real life, Shawn Michaels was out of the business and retired. Right. When I was Getting the videos, Shawn Michaels was on the videos, so I, that became my favorite wrestler, end-all, be-all with Shawn Michaels. I tried to emulate him and come, you know, dance to his theme music. Anything Shawn Michaels was me, and then, you know, watching wrestling in real time, I'm realizing that Shawn Michaels is not an active wrestler anymore, and being a kid, I'm trying to figure that out, and it, you know, hurt my head. And But yeah, I, I did end up, uh, you know, watching everything I could, buying Shawn Michaels' uh, VHS tapes that just had his matches on them. Yeah. Shawn Michaels was the real reason why I got into it. Um, or the re- I'd say Shawn Michaels is the reason why I wanted to like actually pursue it other than just watching it. And then, you know, um, I started, you know, obviously, uh, almost every wrestler did backyard wrestling or couch wrestling or trampoline wrestling. And if they didn't, they're probably lying. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't care. Like they can say they didn't do it. They're, they're lying out their ass. Um, but yeah, I started doing that and, you know, uh, we built a ring and built a ring in my yard and, um, you know, got all the friends from school, you know, you find somebody, see, you know, wearing a SummerSlam t-shirt and you're like, Hey, you like wrestling? You want to wrestle? And I would do that for a little while. And then we found, uh, we found local wrestling, which ended up being, uh, MCW Maryland championship wrestling. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, it was right when they were coming back, um, they had been gone, so they had their rebirth show. Yeah. And uh, we all had one of our backyard wrestling shows earlier in that day, and then we all went down to MCW. And that's where I saw Ruckus for the first time. And I was like, holy shit, this guy is 
this guy's awesome. And me and my uh, one friend ended up talking to Ruckus that night. Um, he came outside, and we ended up talking to him and hanging out and, you know, whatever. And he was like, oh, yeah, you all like wrestling. You, you know, you backyard wrestle. I used to do that. And we're like, yeah, we know you were in the backyard wrestling 2 video game. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so we started talking to him. And then, uh, you know, every time we would every time we would go to MCW, I would uh, I would bring him a pack of black and mild and or stand in the front row. And he would take it out of my hand and light it and smoke it. And then he'd give it back to me. And I became known as, uh, well, I guess from their friend group and him and his uh girlfriend meg at the time i was the black and mild kid <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah there was that and uh, i went you know hung out there and you know would go with uh my friends and watch mcw and uh we went to um we went to a ring of honor show in richmond virginia and ruckus was on the show that was the main reason why we all went um and he wrestled um Oh my God! I can't. Uh, Nigel McGuinness for the ROH Heavyweight Title in the wow. main event that night, and he ended up getting hurt in the middle of the match. And we all noticed that something was off. But uh, I, I went uh, after the match was over. I got up and I was walking around the lobby area or whatever. And his girlfriend at the time uh, saw me and she was like, "Hey, you're a Black and Mild kid from MCW." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, it's me." And she's like. Uh, Claude got hurt, and I'm like, who the hell is Claude? I didn't know his name. I was like, it's Ruckus. He was like, well, he got, he got hurt. Um, I don't know what to do. They won't let me in the back. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Um, well, like, I don't know what to do. She was like, come outside and smoke a cigarette with me. Like, you smoke. So I went outside, and I was hanging out with her. And we just started talking. And uh, I remember Claudio Castagnoli, uh, Sarah Del Rey, and Sanjay Dutt all walked outside and were like, hey, he's okay. Like, he's just getting his stuff together. They wouldn't let her in the back for some reason. So they were like, yeah, he's okay. Like, you know, we're uh, he'll be out in a little bit. And then she uh, started... You know, she's like, oh, thanks for sitting with me, blah, blah, blah. And uh, she's like, did you... You want to be a... You want to become a pro wrestler, right? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, didn't you... Um, I, Part of the story that I forgot, we used to give uh, Ruckus our backyard wrestling uh, tapes, um, thinking that he would, you know, critique them, which he did. He watched them, and he actually told us where to buy a real ring at instead mm. of the one that we built. So we bought a real ring. And she's like, well, you have a real ring, don't you? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, give me your phone number. I'll have I'll have him call you. And I'm like, okay. Uh. So two days later, me and my friend are sitting around hanging out, and my phone rings, and I answered it. And I was like, hello. And he's like, yo, is this Nick? And I was like, yeah. He's like, this is Ruckus. And I was like, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he was like, uh, you sat with my girlfriend at ROH while I was hurt. She gave me your number. She said you wanted to train. I was like, holy shit, it's actually him. And, you know, we started talking. And he was like, um, yeah, when's one of your backyard shows? And I was like, well, uh, in like two weeks, we're having one on, you know, Sunday. And he was like, all right, give me your address. And him, and I don't know if you remember, uh, do you remember Blizz? Uh, Blake at all? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, um, him and Blake actually came up. Him, Blake, and uh, Meg came up. And I didn't tell none of my, my backyard friends or anything that he was coming. And he just, like, walked in. They were like, what the hell? Like, they, you know, star starstruck. It's ruckus. Yeah. And uh, they were confused. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to start training professionally. And they're like, how much did you pay him to come here? I was like, I didn't pay him anything. <laughs> he came to hang out. He sat there and watched our whole show. And then, like, 
he got in the ring and uh, was like, you know, started messing around after it was over, like with the guys and playing on the crash pads and stuff that we had. And that was it, man. He was like, uh, when do you want to start training? I was like, when can you start training me? And he was like, next weekend. So I walked inside and I got the money that he had asked for, which he told me I could do in payments. And I paid him all one big lump sum right there. And, you know, thank God he's a great person because he could have just walked away and took my money. I never would have seen him again. He could have. He could have. Like, I didn't know where he lived. I didn't know nothing other than he was the guy that I saw. Like, you know, that was before he was my friend. He was just the wrestler guy that I knew. So he could have easily just walked away with my money. And he didn't. He came, showed up, and was there and trained me. And a couple of my couple of my friends trained along with us and I mean they never really ended up doing anything they one of them wrestled like two matches and the other four never did anything <laughs> wow uh, they they kind of were like oh, okay this is a lot harder than we thought it was going to be this isn't the fun um backyard stuff that we do this shit's serious that's right now those drills and stuff will screw you up <laughs> Yeah, I, I had to go through all that, too, when I first got in. Even though if I was refereeing or didn't matter, I went through the all, all the same training, I know. Yep. Uh, but, wow, that's a hell of a story. I never knew that. I've known Claude for, fuck, at least 20 years. I mean, yeah, I, I, I trained, knew him. I think he trained, I trained for, I think, four four months before I had my first match. Okay. Um, yeah, I was actually I was actually in Ocean City, um I was down in Ocean City, and he uh, he called me and was like, uh, "Yeah, you're having your first uh, you're having your first match." Like, it was the beginning of the week. I had went down like we were coming back like Saturday, anyways. But he was like, "You're having your first match on Saturday." I was like, "Oh, I was coming back from Ocean City that day." He's like, "You might want to come back the night before." I was like, "Yeah, okay." So I like you know cut it cut it by a day. Not that big of a deal, but you know I just remember the people that were with me were like, "Oh, come on, man!" I'm like, "We gotta go home." <laughs> I was like, this is important for me. We're going home. Get over it. Now, Eric, the Fit Ugly, my partner, who's not here right now, he loves to ask this question. I think you answered it a couple times, but when you took your first bump, like, I don't know, I guess it's going to be a little different story. When you took your first backyard wrestling bump that you may or may not have known exactly what you were doing, and then when you took your first trained professional wrestling bump, obviously it didn't hurt. It must have agreed with you because you keep doing it. So do, do you have any little different story, like the first the first actual bump that you took in the backyard world and then maybe in the professional world? Yeah, see, okay, so funny thing about that is, like, you know, when I first started and stuff like that, I, I had already done, like, gymnastics. Sure. So, you know, learning how to land on, like, a trampoline and stuff is almost kind of similar. Right, <laughs> when you're right. When you know, back, it's, it's very similar to just taking an actual back bump or, you know, doing a front flip on a trampoline and landing on your back is similar to just doing a front flip bump. So the idea of la not putting my hands down was not a hard concept for me. Wow. Um, before I actually... Um, you know, like, we did the stuff on, uh, we had, like, cushions, big, thick crash pads. I actually still have them, and I use them for training um, now. Um, so, like, there are thick, there are thick gymnastic mats that we would use uh, either on the ground or on the wooden ring that we built. So, I, I was used to landing on them anyways. But before this, MCW, before MCW had shut down, um, 
at all. They used to when Mark Schrader and uh, when Mark Schrader was actually like the full owner, or him and Danny together, right, um, were the owners. Uh, they they used to do these little um, camp things. They were like uh, Saturday and Sunday. You paid so much money, and like it was for certain ages. And like I, I don't, know, I was I had to have been like twelve, thirteen, something like that. Um, when I went, and they taught you how to run the road. I remember D. Edwards was there, um, Candy, um, Ronnie Zuko, Bruiser, like uh, Keenan Creed, Axel Rotten stops by. Oh, wow. I did, I did it like, I think I did it three separate times, like within a span of like uh, two years or something. It was expensive for my parents at the time. Um, but yeah, they would teach you how to do back bumps and, and stuff like that, even with us being that young. So and they taught us like chain wrestling. So when I actually got into backyard uh, wrestling and we got and built a ring with ropes and stuff like that, I actually taught the other guys how to take bumps and run the ropes. Because mm. because I had learned it doing the MCW thing. Like I always say, don't go home and do the shit. But I I did. <laughs> I taught them how to chain wrestle. So if you watch a lot of our, uh, if you ever see any of our backyard stuff, you'll notice that the guys are taking bumps correctly and that they're running the ropes correctly and they know how to chain wrestle which is not stuff that you normally see in backyard wrestling no you you don't see that kind of detail you it's exactly very very sloppy exactly so like that's very dangerous probably the most that you'll see that's really off is like maybe they might be working you know might be throwing a suplex using the right side instead of the left but other than that i'm like you look at people's feeding and stuff and how they hit the ropes you're like oh wow that they kind of know what they're doing and that was all just because they used to come over during the week and i would just i would teach them how to i would teach them what i knew that i knew was correct and then the rest of it is just kind of like all right let's watch you know tv and try to figure out how to do a minchinuku driver Right. So it was it was like that, and um, yeah, that's pretty much how that happened. Wow, and that kind of comes full circle because you're still uh, doing training of professional wrestling. You're and I've, I think it's still I've you're still trained. doing it in your backyard, aren't you? Yeah, I've counted now. I not not active because I've had students that don't wrestle anymore and stuff like that. But active or um, I trained over fifty. There are 40, 40 some, like 45 or more students. Wow. So that's, uh, it's been a, whew, I, I didn't never thought that uh, that would happen. I, I always did say I was like, you know, I, I would like to train. I see that's what kind of happened to me when I was, when I was being trained because Ruckus, would, he would come over here and he would teach, he would teach me a spot or some uh, a certain thing to do and then when the other guy showed up he would have me run it with each one of them mm. so i'm i'm doing it with him and then i'm running it with four other people so i'm i'm running it way more than everybody else but i was teaching them how to do it and then he would teach me something and then i would teach them so by proxy he was teaching not only was he teaching me how to wrestle he was teaching me how to be a teacher wow so that's what I do with my students now. Like I have, I have certain ones that I um, I entrust in being, um, you know, a, a sub trainer for me. And I'll sit there and I'll watch and I'll let them. Like some of them, I'll have do the opening drill. Some of them, I'll have do more advanced stuff, and then I'll get in for uh, other aspects of it. But yeah, like I, I'm, so I'm teaching them. I'm doing the same thing that uh, Claude did for me. He taught me how to be a wrestler and he taught me how to train people i'm doing the same thing for my set of guys 
and hopefully it will continue to pay it forward, you know, so that th these other guys that you're trusting to be your, you know, sub trainers or whatever it is, you know, if they continue in the business and they keep going, then they'll do the same thing, hopefully. And, and we'll, we'll keep this business fresh and well, I safe. Know, I know a couple of them have had their, uh, a couple of them that have been around for years now have their own protégés and have their own uh, set of, uh, or like one or two guys that they have mentored and or trained. So, like, it is, it is working. <laughs> it is working, and it's been working, and it's been continuing to work. I'm so happy to hear that, and it keeps on going. Uh, tell me about Riot City. Oh, man. That, that, was, um, that was another thing that kind of um, jokingly uh, started in the, the backyard. Um, I always used to, I always used to play, uh, let's start, or, uh, the song Riot by, uh, Three Days Grace, like, to amp everybody up. Hell yeah. Obviously, it says, let's start a riot. And then, um, at one point in time, I, I would always be, uh, listening to a song called Riot Maker by Tech Nine. Okay. And my, my buddy, uh, who used to do our announcing and was also one of the wrestler guys, uh, he always, as a joke, would be like, from Riot City, Maryland, and I'm like, why are you doing things? Like, cause you like everything riot. All right, you riot this and you wear skulls and, and all this other stuff and it fits. And I was just like, ah, yeah, it's not bad. I was like, just cut out the Maryland part and just say Riot City. Yeah. That actually, that actually came from the backyard. The Riot City, just that me being announced as that just came from the backyard. Hmm. And then, um, uh, once I, uh, once we were starting to try to do a faction and I had, uh, my student Holly and, uh, Jason Drake, uh, you know Logan. Loge, hell yeah, love that guy. Yeah, so Logan was Logan was like my third student because my first was Pat Anthony, and then it was Rayburn, and then um, actually Logan came around the same time like Michael Zamidio, Vic Ramone, uh, Aaron Shadows, all those guys. I love all those guys. Oh my god. Yes. So when um, when it was time, and Logan literally the joke was, or not, it wasn't a joke. Uh, we did the first. Uh, high school show up here uh, at my high school when I wrestled Prodigy in the main event and I asked uh, I asked if uh, Logan could sing me out because we found you know I, he's in a band so I'm like oh he sings really good so I was like if he could sing me out that'd be really cool I was there I remember that yeah. holy so shit the, so the idea of that was well we're gonna you know we like this look we like the you and your little protege and Holly as you know the manager who's gonna wrestle and it was, we'll come up with a name. And I was like, well, Riot City. And they're like, you know, I, I said Riot City, and I, I was cool with that. And then it was like, I, I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, it's going to be the, oh, making their way to the ring from Riot City. This is Riot City. And I'm like, ah, it needs something. It needs an edge to it. Yeah. So we were, I remember sitting around trying to think of something and there was a couple of people in the locker room and it was like oh the riot city outlaws the riot city gunners the da 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 and i just remember El uh, james ellsworth ellsworth just walked by and he was like what are you doing i was trying to think of something to tag on the riot city well just call yourselves riot city's most wanted you're the most wanted people in riot city <laughs> and i was like all right well shit that works <laughs> i wish it was that easy for us to have figured out and that's how that happened <laughs> so that was jimmy to put on oh my god yeah, Jimmy Ellsworth was the one that tagged on the most wanted to that. Does he still take credit for that for this day? No, he actually never is. He's never really said anything about it. Wow. So he just <laughs> he, let you run with it. 
Yeah, he, he he was more of the well. I was it was the I I put you I put you three together, <laughs> and I'm like I'm like well I'm like not really, but okay. <laughs> I mean, cause, I mean, like yes, because I was I you know Holly was my manager at the time, which that was fine. It was more of the I. I guess I was looking at it as I was just, we were just using Logan uh, to sing me out for that night. And then Ellsworth being like, I like this. I like the look of the three of you guys together. Right. And I could do something with this. That way you can have like a little protege that you're helping out um, as you're getting ready to do a heavyweight title run. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I like that idea. So, and, you know, that just, I just spawned off and then. You know, other members came and went, and, you know, we're still kicking it today. Um, it's obviously not the same members that you would remember when you were around, but it's definitely still me and Logan. Um, we're still very much full force in doing it. Um, and now we got uh, Ron Holiday and Eric Acton. Uh, Vic Ramone pops back around every once in a while when he's not busy. You know, he's kind of on a uh, need-to-call basis. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man. I mean, it's still it's still kicking, and I always thought, you know, I always hated when they drug out like NWO and stuff like that. And I thought about it, and I was like, man, am I just gonna have to like stop? Am I just gonna have to stop doing like the Riot City thing eventually, and just come up with something else, or just disband it and figure out where I'm gonna go from there? And it's never it's never felt like that. Like any any change in the in the lineup, it's like there's always love for that uh for that section of the lineup or you know there's new fans that are brought to like every time we go somewhere there's just new people that flock to us i I mean i don't know i guess i don't know what it is because it's us doing it but there's something appealing that uh people really enjoy about whatever we're doing whether we're baby faces or whether we're the most asshole heels that you can see um it, you know when we were when we were in virginia on uh on saturday we're babyface uh when we went to hwf we are like some of the most booed and hated people there because of the stuff that we do while we're there yeah. but at the same time when i'm leaving the show i have people coming up to me asking me i asking me for merchandise asking me for pictures asking for hugs and then messaging me hey man it was so great loved your match blah blah blah. i'm like well i you know we're doing our job in some way i was like do you need to love me as a baby face or hate me as a heel and still love me i don't care as long as we're making some type of impact on the company and the fans then we're doing something right in my opinion that is so great. And I, they, I think it's, you know, part of the reason that I would say that people are drawn to you guys is because it's real. Like, it's legitimate. Like, you guys aren't just thrown together in the back and just told to go out and work for 15 minutes. Like, there is a genuine bond. And even if the lineup keeps changing, and I think that's why it stays fresh, uh, you know, I, I know Vic, I know Ron, I, you know, definitely know Logan, I know you, but I know there's been people, you know, it's it's... NWO was forced and pushed way too fast um, when it when it was, and it was so mainstream that it became it, it it just it became sour. But what you guys are doing, and as many places as you're doing it, and it's staying fresh because you're getting put in front of these crowds like you know once every month or once every couple weeks or once every couple months, and like you said, every different place it's different. I love that, and I think I hope you keep doing it because. I, I'm drawn to it too, man. That's why I sound like, you know, 
Yeah, I figure I've been doing this. I've been doing this now for 14 years. Jesus Christ! I started. I started in 2009. Riot City. Riot City came about in 2000 and 2013 at ACW, and at ACW, Riot City has been around since 2013, and we are still doing and going strong, and you know, getting the crowd reactions and kicking ass and having fun. You know, we've been there. We've been there since. The incarnation of ACW in 2009. Obviously, we didn't, you know, the name and all that stuff, but didn't pop up until uh, 2013. But it's been around since then, and nothing's, you know, nothing's changed. I know, man, it's great. And seeing you guys go all over the country and still do the local stuff, and it's just great, man. And I, I hope you continue to do what you're doing in some form or fashion, and I hope your body continues to at least agree with you somewhat to, to have you live in your best life as well as, you know, you know, doing the wrestling thing as well. Um, this is great. All right, we're going to take it home here, but I got a couple quick-fire questions for you. Shoot, my brother. Let's see what we can do with this. Favorite match of all time that you've ever seen on television? Man, it's, it's oh, there's so there's so many, but I, I just have to chalk it up to uh, to Taker Michaels WrestleMania. WrestleMania the first time, twenty five, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I love both of them. The yeah. second one made me sad because you know Michaels retired, but I thought right. they were both good. But yeah, obviously the the first one was the first one was the better match. It's hard to top, but. There, there are so, there's so many of them, and they probably all have Shawn Michaels. Uh, that's what I was going to say. I was saying yeah. Shawn Michaels. I was like, Hell in the Cell, the casket, man, I don't know, all of them. But uh, that one that one was just, I mean, that was a chef's kiss to a perfect professional wrestling match. Amen. I agree with that 100%, and many others do as well. Uh, as far as Shawn Michaels uh, being uh, the head of NXT Creative and staying out of the limelight but helping all the younger generation, what do you think about that? I absolutely love it. I mean, that's that's basically what I want to do. <laughs> you know, once once I can't cut it and cut it in the ring anymore, you know, I'm already starting to try to do it. But you know, Sean tried to do it too when he had his wrestling school. He had, you know, uh, Brian Kendrick and Paul, or not Paul London, the uh, Michael Shane, uh, Lance Cade, all right. came from his school. So you know, he was trying to do it before, and then he went back and you know tore it up in the ring again. But you know, he now he's he's doing his thing. He's giving back. That's that's what it's all about, man. Like, if you had the illustrious uh, career that that man did and didn't give back, I mean, that's kind of shitty. <laughs> right. But the fact that he's doing that and, like, you know, look at the people that they're producing. I know. So, oh, my God. Yeah, I, abs I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Great. And I'm, gr I'm glad you're on the same path. Um, your favorite professional wrestling match that you've ever been in? those two but I, I honestly just have to go with probably it's uh me me and ruckus in the cage at acw okay um that one just had a lot of um that had a lot of uh i don't know there, there was just a feeling about that one to me like i knew i i it was the first time that i ever you got to remember, when I saw Ruckus, I watched him a lot, and I saw a lot of his CZW stuff. Oh, yeah. So I got to see the, the cage, the ladders, and, and just the fun shit that he could do. So being able to get in a steel cage with him, um, 
and do something like that. And we got to, he got to do the toss me off the top of the cage onto the Legos and shit. Oh yeah. Like, and I just remember the, the reaction and stuff that the crowd gave when, when I kicked out and like, they thought it was over. So there was just something very special about that match. Um, other than that, uh, probably me and Strickland. Ah, Shane or Swerve as he's now. Called. Yes. Yep. Uh, or or kill shot. Or okay, kill shot. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that too. And he yeah. he was also very awesome to me too. I I loved yeah. working with him. Um, and you know that was that was a really really fun match. Um, you know, recently in the last year, um, this, it was one of my first matches that I actually had after I had the surgery on my elbow was I got to work uh, Swan again. So it had been like 10 years since me and uh, Rich Swan tangled, and yeah. I actually got to do it in my hometown, nice. uh, literally five minutes away from my house. So that was that was really cool, too. So there's a couple, there's a couple of special ones. I mean, there's a lot of special ones, because I, I like it when I get to work one of my students for the first time. Um, you know, there's a lot of special ones, but the, the cage match with Ruckus was definitely... Um, definitely one for me that was very special. Awesome, awesome. Uh, your Mount Rushmore, if you've got to pick four other than Shawn Michaels, which is probably number one, do you, what, are, what are your other three? My other three? Um, I... Nick, you still there? Uh-oh, might have lost you again. Nick? We were talking about Mount Rushmore. Damn it. All right. Hey, I'm going to get Nick's Mount Rushmore, and I'm going to come back to you. But look at this. We got uh, just a couple seconds left. I want to thank you all for hanging with us. Sickened Nick. I love it. Check him out. Uh, Adrenaline Championship Wrestling, ACW. Find him on Facebook, Nick Sickened Taylor, uh, S-I-C-E-N-D. Find him on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, X, wherever you can find him. And uh, Dirty Ugly Wrestling, 321 Deuces.